This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, I hit a wall in June. The pandemic was causing a lot of stress for me, and I knew that I needed to talk to someone. So I signed up for BetterHelp. No joke. And it has been so helpful to have a professional to talk to virtually. Here's how it works. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. To be honest, taking the survey is actually kind of fun. I don't know why. But after you're matched, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. I personally switch back and forth between doing video sessions at my house and doing phone sessions while walking around my neighborhood. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com good and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And BetterHelp is offering a special offer for Sounds Good listeners to get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com good. That's better, H-E-L-P slash good. One more time, that is betterhelp.com good. This podcast is sponsored by Libro FM. Libro FM is the first and only company that lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. I have been using Libro FM for months now before they were even a sponsor, and I just finished listening to Barack Obama's thoughtful new book, as well as Samantha Irby's hilarious book, Wow, no thank you. And for both purchases, my cute little bookstore, Broadway Books, was supported. With Libra FM, you get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. <laughs> you know the name. But you'll be a part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. As a special offer for Sounds Good listeners, get two audiobooks for the price of one, only $14.99, with your first month of membership with the code GOOD. All you have to do is visit the website Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and use the promo code GOOD to get started with two free audiobooks and to help support the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Shine Project began when Ashley Lemieux started to get to know the inner city youth of her home community of Phoenix, Arizona. She began to see the needs that these kids had as they were trying to go to school and thrive. And she was totally broke, but she said, hey, I'm going to start investing in these kids. And so, you know, with no money, she said, I'm going to go. I'm going to help this kid get the supplies he needs to go to school. Oh, I don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to find a way to invest my time in mentoring this student so that they can thrive in their classes. And eventually got to the point where she was saying, how can I help these students get into college? How can I help these students afford college? And so that's the beginning of the Shine Project. And now over 40 scholarships have been given out to help kids go to college since 2011. And ever since the beginning, her life's work has been a testament to the love that she pours out amidst a story that has been embedded with so much pain. This conversation was incredibly heartfelt. Ashley shared about 
how a call one Sunday morning asking both her and her husband to become permanent guardians to two kids overnight changed their lives forever. And then she shared about how the story took a dark turn three years later with a letter from the court in the mail. This is the first time that Ashley has shared this story publicly. And it's a heavy story. It's emotional and it is raw and it is real. And there's still a lot of hope, but we're in the middle of the story right now. And so I'm really honored that I got to have this conversation with Ashley to hear this story. And I'm excited to share it with you. If this is your very first time listening to this podcast, this is Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey. I am Brandon Harvey. And every single week, we host hopeful conversations with people who are rejecting cynicism and choosing to make a difference in the world despite brokenness and injustice and pain. And this story has it all. And I'm so honored to share this. And so without any further ado, this is my conversation with Ashley Lemieux in my studio in Nashville, Tennessee. Here we go. So Ashley, I am so excited to have you here. My wife first came across your story online probably a few months ago. And she'd kind of been reading through your Instagram captions and then had seen your website and everything. And she was like, Brandon, you have to follow this girl. And I just started scrolling through your work and I was like, I I love her. And so I'm just so honored to be meeting you in person here in Nashville and welcome. Thank you. And I am so excited to be here when you reached out and I saw the work that you're doing. I was just so honored that you would ask me to come and be a part of it and be able to share a little bit with uh, you're following, and I, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. I'm I'm honored. And you just moved to Nashville, like how yes. long ago? <laughs> it's about three weeks. Oh ago. my yeah, god! It's been about three weeks now, but this is the coolest Man. city I've. It's ever a been great to. <laughs> city. I like it. I mean, I'm pretty fresh too. I'm like a year and a half deep, two years. Oh, so, really? Which is, you know, now I'm like old news by Nashville <laughs> standards, but it feels fresh. But you were in Phoenix before. Yes. So I came here from Phoenix and never lived in the South or on the East Coast before. I'm a totally West Coast girl. I'm I'm from and, Portland, so I love okay, the West so Coast. Okay, so you get it. Yeah. And Phoenix is actually like a really cool city. It's I really, really like it. Cool. A lot of people don't, I think a lot of people dismiss it as like golf clubs and, and sun and those are things. But when I was there, I was with like a few creative people and it seems like the creative culture there like sticks together. Yes. They're super supportive. And you guys are like rallying together to make the city amazing. Yes. Phoenix has gone through a really exciting transition period the past few years. And mm. so the creative community there is really supportive. It's really small and it's really tight knit. So it's a good place to be. That's too. awesome. We'll have to compare notes later. See if yes. we know some of the same people. <laughs> Man, okay. So you moved to Nashville. And you are opening up a shop. Yes. What's the name of your shop again? It's called The Shine Project. The Shine Project. Yes. So it's our first retail location. Oh, okay. This is your yeah. first retail location. Yes. And you started The Shine Project. Like, how how old were you when you started this? It's actually literally this week is our five-year birthday of wow. it. So it's been five years. So I was 25. Great. Um, and, yeah, so we do online commerce, but... This is our first retail location, so we're pretty excited about That's it. That's so cool. It'll be nice to, like, meet people in person instead yes. of, like, I mean, because I just started putting stuff up online. Like, we put our newspapers online. So I get a little push notification with somebody's name with, with when somebody buys the newspaper, which is really fun. Like, it feels like a cool connection with the people who are buying from us. But uh, it's, it, you know, it doesn't beat when you meet someone in person and they're, like, buying stuff. And it's, yes. it's so cool. It's totally different when you can make that face-to-face contact and have that interaction so we're really excited about that man tell me about when the shine project first began like what was the uh what was the inspiration behind it shine project first started i was a senior in college wow newlywed we (laughs) had literally zero money (laughs) we had nothing and um, we were living in a cockroach-infested condo in I don't, Phoenix. I don't like that. I don't no. like that at all. Nope. And we were too <laughs> poor to try to figure, to, to get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, really, we were just starting out. And I, for my senior internship, 
I was interning at an inner city high school in Phoenix and I met these youth who just stole my heart away mm. and I saw I saw how they were living and I saw the struggles they were having and I knew that I had to do something to help them reach their potential and help them break the cycle and so that's what really catapulted the Shine Project to become mm. what it is today. Do you remember the very first story that stuck out to you? of the people that you are working with where you're like, I, I connect on such a deep level with you. Yes. So while I was interning at this inner city high school and just really becoming a mentor for the students that I had been meeting, there's this one particular boy a few months into me being there and we had became friends on Facebook and I noticed him a lot for different reasons because he was quiet and he wore the same thing frequently to school and his school backpack and things were just really he'd, he'd had them for a long time you could tell and I just knew that for some reason I needed to connect with this with this boy and so we became friends on Facebook and I saw him post this status and he was joking about how he had to graduate his senior year of high school with the same clothes and backpack that he had had all throughout his school experience wow. and I was like you know what and I went to my husband I said I know that we hardly have anything but we have enough where we need to we need to just help give this student some of the basic things he needs so he can graduate in confidence and we mm. took him back to school shopping and when we dropped him off at his where he was living that night that's when everything changed for me he opened his house to his apartment and I wanted to meet his mom and when he opened the door I saw he, that he's the oldest of five and all of his younger siblings were sitting on the on the empty floor they literally mm. had nothing I learned that he and his siblings were sleeping on the tile floor didn't even have pillows and it clicked, well, this is why he was missing so much school, or it finally made sense that this is why he didn't have enough money to get on the bus to go to school last week. And I left that house, and I sobbed the entire way home, and I told my husband, I said, I can't unsee what I have seen in this community, yeah. and I'm going to be held accountable forever if I don't figure out a way to help these students. And so... He really, and because we came so close to his story and the things that he has persevered through and just his resilience, and but also the potential that was inside of him, it just got me on a level where I knew that I had to, to just be a part of these Man. youth for longer than my internship. And you were just like a senior in, in college and you had no money. And you're you're nothing. you're like how in the world am I supposed to do this? Right. Like, what was the next step that you took then? Because that's what it, that's what it's all about. Is you know, right now you've got this place where you're opening up a shop in Nashville in a new city, and you've got people who work with you. But like, that wasn't a reality then, and and you could have never known that that's what it would be next. What was just like the next step that you took? I think a lot of times just in life in general, we have these dreams that we want to do or people that we want to help, but it feels really overwhelming because yeah. we want to go, we want to go fly to the moon right away. But <laughs> you know, your first rocket ship usually doesn't take you that, that high at, at the first launch off. So I decided that I was just going to do what I could to help as many youth as I could with the limited resources that I did have. And I, at that time, I had also started a blog. It was back when blogging was just blogging without yeah. of all of this extra stuff. That's amazing, cool. but it came a long way later. Yeah, it was just casual. Yeah. And people read your blog to read it and to connect <laughs> with you, and that's all it was. And I used my blog to be a voice for these youth and we rallied our community together to start fundraising to send mm. this first group. Um, to their first year of college. And so that was the very first step I took was using my voice to be a voice for these youth who really never had had access to allow their voice to reach a lot of people. Man. And I, I bet that that meant the world to these kids, you know, to have yes. all these people who are, especially because they're strangers saying, I, I believe in you, I want to support you. 
Yes. It's incredible. And that's one of the things, too, that has been so amazing throughout the course of the Shine Project is having every single student in one way or another have come to me at some point and said, Miss Ashley, it's not even about the money that I'm receiving, but it's the fact that I know that people who don't mm. even know me believe in me and what I'm capable of accomplishing, and that does far more for me than anything else. Right. And so that's I mean, been amazing. When you were talking about, you know, getting school supplies and stuff, you said, I want him to, you know, graduate with confidence, graduate in confidence. And and that's what it seems like you're giving people. Sure, they're getting money, they're getting the opportunity to go to school, but that confidence is is so powerful and so important. Yes, the confidence is huge. And it's one of my favorite things. And what's so amazing is to be able to see the students where they are when they're hired. And then throughout their time, as they're given opportunities to go connect with people and to see people value their work and to to get really good grades in college and be one of the first people in their family to go to college and see that they have these amazing talents and that they can be leaders and they can contribute to society the effect that that has on their inner self-worth and how they view themselves, it just, there's no words for it. Wow. It's, it's amazing. That's so cool. I wanted to ask about your husband. You guys got married young. I don't normally ask about people's spouses in interviews just because it's like, I feel like when you ask women about their husbands, it's like, oh, like, like, tell me about like the man in your life. And, and. <laughs> It feels a little like silly or misogynistic sometimes, but I know that like you've shared so much about your husband in your writings, and I know that you guys have weathered a lot of storms together. And my wife and I, who you met Sammy yes. uh, the other day, you know, we got married young. How old were you guys when you got married? We were we were twenty three. Okay, I yeah. think that's how old we were. I'm only a few years into this, so I should know that for sure. <laughs> you should definitely uh, know that. <laughs> but I barely know how old I am. So uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's amazing. And how did you guys meet? We met in college through mutual friends. He saw a picture of me on one of their desks, and he, and he was like, who's that girl? <laughs> and so that's that's how it all started. And we've been married now for over seven years. Wow. It's really cool that you guys have, you created the Shine Project and brought it to life, and he was with you since the birth of that. Like, what a cool thing to have somebody in your life who's seen the entire process. And who's supported me through the entire That's process. Really cool That's really cool, too. I don't know, honestly, and this might sound so cheesy, but I literally don't know what I would have done without him hmm. through this process because he just has been such a constant cheerleader for me that it's made a huge difference. Man. So you graduate college, and did you just decide, I'm going to do, like, I'm going to go all in on I'm Shine Project? I'm going to go for it. That's amazing. Yes. That's really cool. We went, I went all in, and I I took, I, we literally just, when I say that we had not a lot, we really had not a lot, and I invested $300 into <laughs> making the Shine Project happen, and at that time, that was the majority of what we had, yeah. and we just... We went for it and um, have been working our tails off. Oh, ever I bet. Since. I mean, that's I mean, that's the cool thing is when you don't have money, sometimes what you have is time and you have effort and you have energy, and you know you got to put those things in, and it's created what it created today. Yeah. Let's get specific though. Like when you put that three hundred dollars in, like what did that go towards? Like what does the Shine Project do? So what that went towards when I started raising money for the youth that I wanted to help become first-generation college students. After that first year, I knew that there had to be more and that I needed to create a business where we could employ the youth that we were giving scholarship money to so that they could have a stable job, so that they could have a community of people around them who were cheering them on, supporting mm. them, and also where other students were going through the same thing. So it's kind of like it's money, it's job, it's a, it's time, and it's like mentorship. It's yes. all those things kind of combined. Yes, and giving them work experience that they weren't oh, yeah. ever going to get anywhere else. And for many of them, it was their first job. So it was a big deal for us to be able to instill qualities of leadership and job training so that when they do graduate from college, that they're prepared to go mm. out and be leaders in the workplace and in the community. And so with that, I taught myself how to make bracelets. I taught myself how to make jewelry because I wanted to bridge the gap between these inner city youth and the women who are reading my blog. And I mm. thought it would be cool that if the women could wear something that these youth were making, the youth would see the support that 
people had been giving them. And then the woman would be able to feel like they really were impacting somebody else, yeah. which, which they are. And, and so as I taught myself how to make jewelry, I spent that first $300 on the jewelry supplies. And then I taught our first group of students how to make it. And Man. that's where it all started. And is it guys and girls making the jewelry? Yes, we have guys and girls. That's awesome. Employees. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. What were some of the most difficult parts of those early days? Like what were the kinks you had to work out? I'm sure that they're... There's numberless. <laughs> I could sit here for hours and tell you. And I mean, and even as you grow, there's there's always something. There's always those growing pains. But in the beginning, <laughs> I lived about an hour away from where the students lived. And so about three or four times a week, I literally was driving four to six hours a day, taking them new materials picking up their finished jewelry and then going to everyone's houses, dropping things off and coordinating. And it was so chaotic. I oh my just gosh. wanted to cry <laughs> most times. <laughs> but I feel like most things that are worthwhile make you want to cry most times. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. So during this time, you're investing in these like youth who are going to school. You're pouring into a business. You've got, you know, a, a fresh marriage that that's, you know, a part of what you're up to. Um, and then you guys decide to add a little bit more chaos to your life. I don't even know how to ask this, but like, how did you meet your kids? So we met our kids um, originally through a family member. And when we first met our kids, we didn't know that they were going to become our kids a year later. So we met them when they were three and six. And what is very unique about our story is that we were not actively trying or searching to become parents. We weren't ever trying to become foster parents. We weren't anything. And so when we first met our kids, I just felt this really strong connection to them. I didn't know why, but I I felt like I really was supposed to be in a part of their life somehow and and to mentor them and to just let them know that somebody was aware of them and yeah. loved them. And about a year later, unexpectedly, we had just moved into a house now. With no Phoenix, cockroaches. With no cockroaches. Very Hallelujah. Good. <laughs> we made a little upgrade. <laughs> And I got a call one Sunday um, morning asking us to become permanent guardians to our two kids. Wow. And it was... And how many times had you, like, met them and and interacted with them at this point? At that point, they were living in a different state. And so we had met them three or four different times. But Mm. it was always just very casual, casual or when we would go visit my family member out of state who lived by them, we would go visit and take them out. But Hmm. again, this was nothing that we ever anticipated happening. And so when we got that phone call, I just knew that we were supposed to be a family. Hmm. And so the kids came and joined our family within five days. Five days. Yeah. So it went from my husband and I to we were now literally overnight a family of four. You doubled. We doubled. And I'll never forget, I called my husband because he was at work when I got that phone call. And over the phone, I said yes. And I called him and he just got really quiet. And he said, you know, I've never been a dad before, (laughs) but I'm sure going to figure it out. And I'm going to love those kids like, like they've never been loved before. And so there was... An immediate, just we're we're family, and that was uh, about four and a half years ago. Wow, I can't imagine that you felt prepared or no. And I think in every, <laughs> you know, now being a mom, I don't, you're never prepared to become mm. a parent. No matter how your child comes to you, there's no preparation because it is just, it is amazing and crazy, and hard and great all at the same time. And you could never prepare for something yeah. like that. What were those early days like of of you and your husband trying to figure out how to be a mom and a dad and probably the kids trying to figure out how, like, you know, their transition, they've got a big transition. Mm-hmm. And when you're a kid, you're resilient, but, like, transitions are still transitions. Yeah. You know, what was what were those early days of all of you guys figuring things out like? 
it was really hard and it was really great all mm. at the same time. And there were so many moments where all of us would just be like, wow, how, how, how do we even, how do we do this? How, how do we make this work? But there was so even beyond the hard times, the, the joy of it all and the work that we put into pouring into each other to really create a solid foundation as a family, that those are magical times that mm. um, have shaped the four of our lives forever. That's incredible. What were some of the early moments that you were like, I can, I can do this, you know, like where you're just like, I'm like, I'm rocking this. Like if this were a movie that the music would start playing and like, it would be a little bit more upbeat. Like what, what were, what was the very first time you felt like that? <laughs> well, actually I think you're going to like, you're going to like this. Good. One. I'm already excited. I'll never forget. So there's this one particular day and the kids were, it was summer. So the kids were out of school for the summer. Um, and my youngest hadn't even started kindergarten yet. And so I was trying to keep knowing how to run a business also while being a new mom with these <laughs> young kids and just handling everything. And so one day I planned the best best day where we went out in the morning for some activities together and then I took them to my office and they played so well at the office together and I got so much work done and I was feeling great and we went back home and we played more and it, it was just a really, really great day. And at the end of the day, I was like... I killed this day. This, I am a boss right now. And the kids had just gone to bed. And we literally been running around all day. And at the same time, they both come out. It was probably about 7.30 or so. They both walk out of their rooms and they just look at me just so sweet. And they go, Mommy, are we not eating dinner tonight? <laughs> So, yeah, so that was one of my, I'll never forget it because that day I just felt so proud of myself. And then they, I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't feed them dinner. <laughs> so, that's, that's so funny. Oh, oh. humbling. And Being they were a mom's so, humbling. It sounds like they were so sweet about it, too. So sweet. Just oh. so. <laughs> that's so funny. It, that kind of <laughs> reminds me of, uh, it was one Christmas when my little brother uh, he he must have been like five or something, and we do like Christmas morning. We open up presents, and he's you know he's he's happy, he's glad, and he he looks up at my parents and says, "Thank you, but where's all the presents me wanted?" Oh, and it's like no. it's like no, it's like it breaks your heart, but it's also like so cute. And it's like he'll be fine, like he'll forget tomorrow because right. he got all these awesome, amazing presents. <laughs> So but there was funny. It's as if there was like one missing, and he's like, "But the one I Where's wanted." Where's the one I wanted? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's oh, that's so funny, <laughs> man. And yeah, you're running a business this whole time. How's how's the Shine Project doing at the same time? That was a really hard transition. I brought on my first full time employee, who was my sister, which was just the greatest gift for that time. Mm. And. One day she sat me down and she said, Ashley, you got to figure this out because you're going to drive yourself crazy and all of us crazy if you don't. And I knew what she was <laughs> talking about. It was because when I would go to work, I'd feel guilty about not mm. being with the kids 24-7. And then when I got home with my family, I'd, I would be so stressed out about everything I didn't get done in the day because I was so worried about not being with the kids or if they were okay or if they were happy at the office or, or if they're okay at day camp or whatever it was. And so... During that time, that was a really hard transition for me, just trying to understand and and allow myself to realize that I can do both of these things and I can do them both well, and it's okay. And mm. being a business owner doesn't mean I'm a horrible mom, and being at home with the kids when I'm at home with the kids doesn't mean I'm neglecting my business. Yeah. And so just trying to make that change, again, going just overnight instantly to become a parent was really hard and so trying to learn all of that stuff really quickly so that our life could keep going yeah. was was tough man do you feel like you hit a point where you're like i mean we never get it perfect but do you feel like you hit a point where you're like i'm at 80 percent and i'm on a groove yes, absolutely it was probably within the first five months Good. of of uh becoming a family that i i hit this point where i was like okay everyone's alive and well and 
it's working and this it's all gonna just be okay and I just kind of let go that's awesome of the control I always wanted to feel and just let it go so was that similar to the same time that the that the dinner debacle happened like do you feel like you kind of started to hit (laughs) a groove in a lot of things at once yes Yes, that actually was around the same exact time. <laughs> dinner debacle. So, I don't know why I just branded dinner, it. The dinner debacle. I know. I feel like that needs to be its that's, own thing You can write somewhere. a book. <laughs> the dinner debacle. Be actually a pretty cute like children's <laughs> book that's actually for moms. Yes. That's a good idea. It, Stay tuned. That Stay one's tuned free. That. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh, man. Okay. So that's – I love hearing that like you kind of hit that groove. But tell me about the day that you got a letter from the courts in the mail. So like I said, we had permanent guardianship of our children. And without getting too technical about everything, having a permanent guardianship means that you're going to be the guardians forever, but it doesn't mean that the children have been fully adopted. Hmm. So we went to go fully adopt the children. This had been about three years now into us being a family to give permanency to everybody and to... To just, I mean, we're a family. It's yeah, like, it's like a commitment. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like getting engaged versus getting married. You're like engaged right. to the kids, but you've got to like, you want that piece of paper that says it. And just and for them and yeah. and for us, just yeah, it just really it just really was a thing that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And so we went and uh, sorry, I'm gonna get emotional during this. I actually haven't I haven't really talked about this anywhere since this all happened, but. We, um, so we filed to adopt our children and as a result of that came back from their biological family unexpectedly, a contested adoption. So we got a letter in the mail, um, in October of 2015 that said that the courts were revoking our, our permanent guardianship and, I'll never forget getting that letter. I ran over to our kitchen sink and I was just throwing up. I, I, it was like my world just became so black. I literally thought I was going to pass out and my husband had to hold me up. But what that meant, that started the downward spiral of our family. What that meant was that our permanent guardianship was taken away and then the state stepped in and we had to become foster parents and in foster care, no matter what has gone on, you have to, the state has to first try to reunify the children with their biological families, no matter what. And so it was like our whole lives just didn't matter to anybody. And all of a sudden mm. we had people showing up and knocking on our door and we're like, what is even happening right now? And that entered, we entered into a year and a half of the most horrific court battle I can't even put words on it. I can't even, that was the darkest time probably in all four of our lives, um, except for now. (laughs) And it was so, so hard. And every day we just, we never knew if we were going to be a family the next day still. And so we just uh, stayed so close together, especially during that time, because it didn't know how much longer we had. But, but the same time we'd been a family for a really long time and so I was confident 100% confident that everything would work out and that we would be adopting the kids and that soon all of everything would be behind us I'm so sorry it's so hard because the the kids that they'd been with you guys most of their lives at this point what's going on in in the rest of your life outside of this courtroom then because that's it's a long process, and, and I would imagine you're seeking normalcy, but nothing's normal anymore. Nothing's normal anymore, and and outside of that, it was it's really hard to even think of life outside of that world. Luckily, I had established a great team to help run the Shine Project because really I could I did as much as I could because it was also good for me to stay involved in that process to have something yeah. else, but I really couldn't be involved as much as I had been um and every day was just such an energy sucker for me and we had so much going on and then with the attorney's fees that we had because obviously we're gonna give literally everything that we have to protect our family and protect our kids 
And so, so then also the stress of the financial strain that came with, with trying to fight for our family and all the injustice that occurred and just being drugged through the mud and made it really hard to, to do anything else other than just focus on our family. Hmm. And how were, how were the kids doing during that time? Like well, were, were they kind of shielded from it or? Yeah. So that was one of the hardest parts is about the first year they didn't really know what was going on. And I felt like that really was my job as their mom and my husband as their dad to create as safe and as peaceful as a home environment as we could because we didn't want to bring in everything that was happening because they're, I mean, as an adult, we couldn't even understand it and hardly uh, get through it. And so as a child, we just didn't want... We just wanted them to be able to live as normal of a life at that time as they possibly could. The last six months, they knew what was going on because of how involved the state got and and different things that started happening. They were very aware of the situation, and it was, it was horrific. Mm-hmm. During this time, you had an audience and you had followers and you had a blog and you had social media. Were you sharing any of this publicly or were were you, did you just have to keep it all in? Yeah, I, and that was one of the hardest parts is that I wasn't allowed to say anything. And I was drugged through the mud in court over and over again. So many lies and attacks on Mm. me against, uh, from the other side. And I wasn't allowed to share anything and anything that I shared about my life in general was always twisted and used against me and was so crazy. And so coming from someone who I really needed a community, especially at that time, and I needed a way to just express myself and to to just have people who could support us. And we couldn't have it. I couldn't Mm. say anything in the past eight months of our battle we had to stop posting photos of our family altogether and we couldn't post photos of the children. So that got really hard because then people started asking questions. Well, where's the kids? Are they okay? Are they, where are they? Because we'd been together forever, yeah. you know, we were a family and I, I literally, I couldn't answer their questions. I couldn't do anything. And it sounds so silly, but having these people in this court system try to strip us away of our core which was each other and try to make it not a valid thing was so so hard and it was almost like we had to be a family in secret and we had to love each other in secret and and it really it it really was so so hard what came next so uh what came next was um we had a big final trial that kept getting delayed about what the outcome was going to be and all these things happening in the meantime. And we were going to court once or twice a month. And in January of this year, so just a couple of months ago, I was out of town for work. And uh, they had scheduled an emergency and unexpected court hearing. And I got a call that our children were being returned to their biological family the next day. And we weren't allowed to tell them what was going on. They weren't allowing me to get home to say goodbye. And they made my husband take them to school that next morning, drop them off like nothing was wrong, fully knowing that it was the last time that he'd see them for a while. And then they were picked up by state workers and taken back to their biological family. My husband had to pack up the house the state came in and packed, took all of the, all of the children's things, which we were, we were happy that they did because usually they don't they don't care and they don't do that. But we had someone involved who who did care and and she came and helped well, my husband and my mom gather their things and. He made them little overnight bags with their favorite stuffed animals and a little, one little picture of our family. That's all that, that they have right now um, as a tangible memory is this one little picture of their family. And they, he put it in these overnight bags for them. And I, um, 
the night that I found out that they were going to be taken from us. I mean, how do you even, you know, how do you even go through that? But they told me, the court told me that how I had to say goodbye was through a letter. And so I'll never forget that night uh, writing a letter to my kids and trying to to write everything that, that I want their little hearts and, and minds to know um, at that time and having that be my goodbye for now. And it was, it was awful. And, um, and here we are a few months later, just trying to figure out how, how to keep living through this. I'm so sorry. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the weirdest parts of this whole thing is, you, you know, in, throughout our lives, and, and me too, you, you meet people, you read people's stories, and you're like, I can't imagine going through that. I can't imagine that. And we all have these different trials that we go through, and, and people look at it like, I can't imagine that. And then to find yourself in the middle of one of those things that you can't imagine going through, but you are, and it's your life, and there's no escape from it, it's, it's been, it has been, um, I don't know, I don't really have any words, it just, it has the potential to dis- to destroy you and your life if you allow it to. What was that next day like, where you, both you and your husband wake up and... I would imagine it felt like it was a nightmare, and then it wasn't. So what had happened, I I had been in Atlanta for work, and one of uh, the people who was working with me was from Nashville, and we had come up here and stayed at their house with the kids before in the past. And and so he was like, you know, we got to leave this work thing. The rest of your employees can handle it. I'm going to drive you up to Nashville, and let's have your husband come. And meet you out there and so the first place I went after everything was here in Nashville my husband came and met us out out in Nashville and we stayed out here for a couple of days just trying to it, it was like we were in a different world I I can't really explain it but it it felt real and we could hardly even breathe or get up but it also felt so surreal but then getting back to Phoenix probably about a week later I'll never forget walking into our empty house uh, for the first time and going upstairs and looking in the kids' rooms. They're just empty. And just wanting them to be there so bad, you know? As a mom, you don't think you're going to go on a work trip and come home and your kids have been taken. And uh, the best word I can use to describe it was is was hell. It felt like hell in our quiet, empty house, and we just didn't we didn't know we didn't know what to do. And that led us up here to Nashville because we knew that we, in order to have any chance of ever moving forward, that we needed to go find life. Again, because it had just been totally sucked out of us. And I I would imagine everything just reminds you of, of memories of the kids. Oh, yeah. And in Nashville, at least, there's a few less of those things. Not that it can really stop. Yeah, well, in Phoenix, it's every, every around every corner, you know, you just, you have all these memories, which are so beautiful and so great, and you want to keep them forever and ever, but at the same time, they hurt so bad because the the kids aren't with us anymore, and, and it was just, it was too hard, and, and up here in Nashville, we've had memories with the kids because we would come and take trips up here, mm. but it, it just, it is different, and I was really, I was really proud of myself, actually. Um, last week, I, it was really hard, but I went grocery shopping for the first time. Mm. But things like that are really hard because you go grocery shopping, and, and I would ta- always take the kids. we go plan what we we're getting for dinner, or and then they would choose the food and snacks they wanted for their lunch boxes. And, and so then when you do a simple task like trying to go grocery shopping, but now you're shopping for two people instead of four and you're not going down this neck aisle and you're not buying 
your kids' favorite cereals. Uh, you know, it's still those little things, and Phoenix really just started adding up. And and here in Nashville, they're still there. Yet at the same time, there is hope that we that we still have a bright life ahead of us Mm -hmm. and so here it's kind of existing the joy and the sorrow simultaneously where in phoenix we just felt like we had been ran over by a fleet of trucks and that feeling never went away as i scroll through your instagram i see this dichotomy of of what seems like an an essence of joy at the same time that you know there's there's so much pain and sorrow and it seems like both of those things are there and and to survive it seems like they both have to be there what does that look like for you right now and 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 feel free to correct me if i'm if i'm wrong on all of that as well yeah so feeling joy and sorrow at the same time is a really new thing and it's a really weird feeling but i feel like when you are in a life circumstance or situation where you feel in, intense sorrow or in pain your joy becomes that much more intense too because because the jump from where you are in your pit of sorrow to the height of when you're finally feeling some joy i mean it's a huge jump and so that's why i, f- I think that people who feel intense sorrow and pain in their lives also feel intense joy at at certain times because they're finally lifted from something that had felt so heavy and so you really pay attention for it and and what we knew our normal life to be is no longer and it will never be and so feeling peaceful and and happy and just things that we would normally feel every day that's not our new normal. And so now when it comes, it's like I just want to savor every second of it and I want to feel mm. it because I know that it's not going to be there forever. And I know how good it feels now to feel those feelings because of how of how intense the other side of life can be on the negative side. How are you spending your time? You know, how are you? occupying your time both in like a physical way but also in a mental way you know are you trying to dwell on memories or are you trying to block it out or or or, or maybe you're doing something that, that you don't even want to be doing in, in that regard but what is that what does your intentionality look like can i check all of the above for, the, for yeah. that one? <laughs> um you know sometimes i try to be intentional with where my thought space is and what I'm doing but other times honestly I'm I'm so exhausted and drained and just getting out of bed is the biggest task now and so I don't I can't even give myself credit for even being able to intentionally do anything except for what I intentionally am trying to do right now is connect with other people something that has been amazing and heartbreaking at the same time since all this happened is it's amazing to me that as you share your story, whatever your story is, and other people receive it, that they then feel like they can share their story with you too and you can kind of go mm. through it together. And so for me, you know, as I have the memories of the children, which I want so desperately to hold on to, but also certain times those same exact memories will come where and yesterday they made me so happy and it was so fun remembering and then the very next day the same, same memory can come. And I'm just a puddle on the floor and I, I have to end my day because I can't go forward anymore. As I experience that and then have met people who have gone through such horrible things in their lives and they're triumphing or, over it, it it has helped me find my place again. I'm, I'm trying to re-figure out my purpose and my place and I've realized it's it's to be with those who also are experienced pain and suffering and to help be their cheerleader and, mm. and kind of walk that path together. I've kept really, really busy with work, probably too busy with work and but it's but it's been good and I'm I'm happy and grateful that we can be busy with with something that can help propel, you know, our lives forward. But there's no and when tragedy happens, what makes it so hard is that there's never a right answer. And 
there's no right answer on how to get through it or the best way to get through it or and there's no guidebook for there's no guidebook for this there's no answers mm-hmm. and so every day you know sometimes i'm very intentional about doing certain things and other days again it's just a, a, applaud myself for for getting up and getting clothes on in the morning and so yeah i hope that answers your question no that does that really does do you think that you're going to see the kids again i hope so <laughs> i uh that's why we're still living right now, to be honest. When the day comes that we see our kids again, I want them to be able to, to know and to see that their mama still lived for them and and that, uh, that they were the biggest foundation in our lives and that they were the people and the, the reason that propelled us forward to, to keep living and dreaming and, and hoping. Um, and so that is my, that's my biggest hope in my life is that we get to see our, our children again someday. I think it's, I think it's beautiful the way that you, that you put your love for them out into the world, you know, whether that's something that, that they might see one day or whether that's something that, that that love just goes out into the world and, and into thousands and thousands and thousands of people like I love imagining that impacting them in one way or another. So I'm so happy with how social media is right now where you can really reach so many people. And I'm so happy about it because that means that potentially one day my kids will be able to find me and I can reach them. And so I've tried to take social media and use it as a way to leave little love notes and love Mm. note trails for my kids. So one day, one day they'll find me. Uh, whether it's in person first or on the internet first, but they can see that they were never forgotten. They were mm. so, so loved. Um, I write them letters often to just per- private lo- letters from home that I put in a notebook. And I just want them to know when the day comes that I do get to see them again, whenever that is, that that they were just so loved, even if they weren't physically with us that they were always a part of of our family and they're the two that made me a mama and that's not that's not something that just goes away that's gonna mean the world to them i hope so it, it will that's beautiful this has been such like a, a powerful conversation and such like i'm i'm so honored that you were willing to share your story and, and dive into this and i have no doubt that listeners are connecting in in such a multitude of ways, just like you were talking about earlier with, you know, it inspires people to be able to share their stories and share the things that are going on in their lives. For people who are experiencing the things that they never thought that they would experience, that they never believed could happen to them right now, like what's, what would you say to them? As somebody who's in the middle of it as well. You know, I'm not, I'm not on the other side of mine, and I we never will be. Mm-hmm. And and so something that I I want to share with everybody is that no matter where you're at, or what side of of the pain that you're on, or if you're right in the middle of it, just keep going. And I live with a hope that one day that all of this will be worth it, and that that is my deepest hope. But right now. I know that it can get so hard to even feel just a glimmer of hope some days. So you just keep going and you can do it. And and I also want you to know that you're not alone and you're you're so not alone. I've learned that this past year that you know there were times where I just felt so so lonely and then when I was able to open up more and connect with other people and and go through our journey together it really, it really just was proof to me that, that you're not alone and your story is yours and feel what you need to feel and don't be ashamed about it. That's something that's been so helpful to me is that, again, there's no right way to go through something. And so allow yourself to, to feel what you need to feel and then just keep going and I can't promise you that, you know, there's going to be this huge fairy tale at the end of it, but I can promise you that that it's going 
it's going to come back to you someday in a good way, whatever that looks like, and that you have more strength inside of you than you could ever imagine, and to just keep going. That's beautiful. I think that's a perfect place for us to leave this. Ashley, I'm I'm so thankful that you said yes to being on the show and for for sharing your story and I'm thankful especially for the love that you're putting out in the world and the love that you've poured into your kids and the people that you've poured into through your company and and the whole the whole like your life is a testament to the love that you pour out so thank you Thank you. Thanks for having me and for creating a a space for people to share their stories and to connect with each other. And um, I, you know, this might sound so silly, but it it brings me hope and purpose when I'm able to share my story. And this is the first time I've really shared it kind of more in in its entirety. And um, so, yeah, just thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I have not been able to stop thinking about this conversation since Ashley and I talked. I just keep on thinking about how Ashley leaves so many little love notes for her children on social media so that someday they'll find her and they'll know that they were loved this whole time. In a lot of ways, this podcast episode, this is a love letter to Ashley's children. And it is a beautiful love letter. It was what a testament to her, her care for these kids. And she sat in the studio and she cried her way through this story and she shared this coupling of sorrow and joy in a way that I've never seen before. And I'm so glad that she left us with this message. She said, no matter what side of the pain you're on, just keep going. I live with the hope that someday this will all be worth it. Remember that you are not alone. And then later she said that you have more strength inside of you than you could ever imagine. And I'm so glad that Ashley wrapped up this conversation with those words because they are powerful and there are people that need to hear them. You should absolutely follow Ashley on Instagram and everywhere else online. You can read through her Instagram captions and get to know her on a deeper level at at the shine project. You can also visit her website and learn more about what she's up to at theshineproject.com. And I didn't even get a chance to mention this in the conversation because we had so many other things to talk about, but Ashley also has an online clothing boutique with clothing designed to fit the lifestyle of women who do. You can find that at shop Ashley Lemieux on Instagram and online at ashleylemieux.com slash shop. If you're new to Sounds Good, if this is the very first time you listen to the show, I would absolutely love for you to stick around. This is the community for you. We have so many meaningful and important conversations with people who are living real lives. We have so many incredible conversations with people who are inspiring and hopeful and making a difference in the world. And I would love for you to dig through our archives. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or online on SoundCloud or whatever app you love to use, you can dig through more episodes I especially recommend our conversation with Grace Tyson about making peace with your pain. Grace lives daily with chronic pain, but despite all of that, she creates beautiful music for the world and started a nonprofit to help save people from human trafficking. And you should also check out one of our earliest episodes with Ruthie Lindsay about finding purpose in the pain. I feel like we touched on so many of the same topics in that episode and I think it'd be really meaningful for so many of you. So absolutely check those episodes out and check out plenty more wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is created by me, Brandon Harvey, and is a part of Good, 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 a community that believes in the power of celebrating good news and becoming good news. You can get lots of hopeful stories on social media by following us everywhere at at goodgoodgoodco. We've got Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We even have a private Facebook group filled with good news. We also create a beautiful quarterly newspaper that celebrates the people, ideas, and movements that are changing the world for the better. Yes, it's a real newspaper in 2017, and you can order it today. Check out the good newspaper and see what else we do at goodgoodgood.co. And on that note, 
That is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and do some good this week, and we'll be back next week with another inspiring conversation from an incredible person. Sound good?